Hey mama, you're listening to Mama's Mission and I'm Deb and I'm really excited because today I have a special guest called Catherine Parks. Catherine is a wife, a mama of two and she is the author of five books. Today we are unpacking her most latest book which is called What to Wear which is about our children's identity. Today they can find it anywhere they want and it's basically a choice they have but our God tells us slightly differently. So we unpack that. We also unpack how to study the Bible with our kids and encourage them in that. And we talk to you, Mama, if you're thinking, I have no idea how to do that. We talk about how to make it easy and fun and manageable and successful. So if you're keen on that, and you're definitely keen, which I know you are because you're here listening to this, on how to point your kids to Jesus, this is going to be the episode for you. Hey mama, welcome to Mama's Mission. Do you wish pointing your kids to Jesus could be simple? Are you overwhelmed with no schedule and good habits so what you want to achieve, like discipling, doesn't happen? Do you have the best intentions to read that devotion with the kids, but after a bit, you lose your groove and feel that pointing your kids to Jesus is too hard? Hey, I'm Deb. I too was overwhelmed with the concept of discipling my littles. I was inconsistent in showing my kids Jesus, jumping from one idea to the next, and I wish for some structure to my day to make that happen. I wanted some routines and ideas on how to point my kids to Jesus, but I kept telling myself this is too hard and it's going to take way too much time until I found routines and habits. In this podcast, you'll discover what discipling your kids is and looks like, how to schedule time in to point your kids to Jesus, and what tools you could use to help you do so, so that you can be the mama living out her greatest mission, to show her kids Jesus. So grab a coffee, or maybe two, kick back and get ready to launch into your mission. Thank you so much, Catherine, for joining us here at Mama's Mission. It's a real privilege to talk to you where you can share your heart behind your recent Bible study with kids and all of that good stuff. So can we kick it off with you telling us a bit about you and your family? Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. It's such an honor. And yes, I live in the Tennessee, uh, Nashville, Tennessee area in the States, and My husband and I have been married uh, going on 19 years. We have a 16-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son, and I work as a writer and also an acquisitions editor for Moody Publishers. So my job is basically partnering with authors to help them get their books published and get their message out to readers. So I get to be kind of a coach, Uh, and I also coach volleyball, so... That's been really fun, something fun to share with my daughter who's in high school. Um, And yeah, we're really involved in our local church. My husband is an elder and I serve on the worship team and uh, life is busy and full, but really enjoyable right now. It sounds really busy and full. A lot of coaching by the sounds of it, which is cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun thing. I didn't see myself doing it, but um, I've really been blessed by it. What's one word that you would use to describe your mom, your motherhood? Uh, so when you sent me the questions and I saw this, I thought this is really hard. (laughs) So I decided (laughs) to choose a word that has two meanings, which maybe is cheating, but, uh, it was too hard to pick one word, but I thought about the word witness. And I think, 
you know, our role as mothers is to be a witness to our children of the grace of God and his faithfulness in our lives. And that's such a big part of my journey with my kids is just sharing my story, sharing the story of, you know, my salvation, but also the way that God has been faithful to me through the years. And so there's that aspect of witness. And then there's also, I remember when my husband and I first got married, we encountered this idea of marriage being having a witness to your life. So having a spouse is like having someone there to witness your life and, um, and just what a unique thing that is. And so I think about that idea with my kids and that a lot of my life, especially now that they're in the teenage years, is just witnessing who they're becoming and what the Lord is doing in their lives. And, um, you know, it's such an honor to be able to cheer them on and the things that they're doing and uh, to be there as kind of a coach. You know, uh, I've heard people say, as your kids get older, you turn into less of a police officer and more of a coach. And that really has happened. That shift has happened in my parenting, but it's so, so enjoyable to be a witness to the things that God is doing in them and the way that he has specifically created them for a purpose. So yeah, that's my answer. That's awesome. I love that. A witness. That's perfect because that's what we're here for, really. And that so aligns with here at Mama's Mission, how we're wanting to point our kids to Jesus. We do that by being the best witness that we can. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. What's one thing you want mamas to know? Uh, I think one of the things that has been really instrumental for me as a mother is I think we have this idea sometimes that we need to not mess up so that our kids see what it's like to walk in obedience. Um, And we're afraid to make mistakes in front of them or to share our failures or weaknesses with them. And uh, the Lord has just taught me through difficult experience that we're not supposed to be the heroes of our story. And if my kids walk away, you know, one day leave the house and they say, oh, my mom was just the most amazing mom uh, then I maybe have done it a little bit wrong. <laughs> um, but if they walk away and say, you know, my mom, she messed up, but she was always repenting. She was always pointing us to Jesus. She was always confessing her sin. And I think about that a lot, even with my daughter. And, you know, if it's in the Lord's plan for her to be a mom one day, I want her to have an example to follow so that on the day when she loses her temper or is really stressed or is dealing with anxiety as a mom, she doesn't look and say, I don't know why I'm having this problem. My mom never did this. Um, But instead she can say, oh, now I know (laughs) what my mom was experiencing. And I, I know that I can go to Jesus with this and that he loves me and is carrying me through this and there's forgiveness and all of that. So, yeah, I think um, that kind of boils down to just being willing to repent and confess in front of our kids and not being afraid that we're messing them up with our sin. But instead, I think we should be afraid of not demonstrating for them how to repent because, you know, Martin Luther said, um, the whole of Christian life is repentance. And so it's not something we do once, but it's something we do over and over again. That's so refreshing actually to hear that take on it, that we don't want our kids to come away thinking that we were perfect because that's not the reality at all. And you're so right. It's really, it is refreshing. And when I reflect back on my mum, 
yeah, I I am looking back going now. I yeah, she showed it all: the good, the bad, the ugly. And yeah, I I do remember now becoming a parent, saying to her, "How did you do this? How did you?" Because she had four under four. I don't know why, <laughs> but four. And I was like, "How did you do this?" Like, because she virtually my dad worked so much, she was virtually parenting by herself. And I have, I only had one at that stage. And I was thinking, I'm going to tear my hair out. How, how did you do this? Um, so that was, that's really good, actually. <laughs> well, bless your mom. I don't know how she did it either. <laughs> it's a <laughs> lot of kids. I think she says, um, reflecting back on her time growing up, a lot of her photos, she was very pale. And she said that she, she, I'll ask her, like, when should I start feeding solids and all those kind of things? And she's like, I'm really the last person you should ask because for quite a season there, it was just a blur and it was just me, (laughs) me surviving. I don't know. I can't tell you anything. (laughs) That's amazing. Which is quite refreshing. It's yes. It's good to have someone who can be that honest. Yeah. (laughs) So you're an author of five books. Let's chat about your most recent book, What to Wear. Can you share your heart behind the book? Yeah, so What to Wear is a Bible study geared for ages 8 to 12 um, and, you know, around that age. And what happened is I had studied Colossians 3 uh, or the book of Colossians with uh, a group of women on Saturday mornings for several months. And uh, I think maybe half a year later was when the COVID pandemic hit. And so I found myself at home with lots of extra time with my kids. <laughs> and we did lots of things that have no eternal significance whatsoever. <laughs> like <laughs> watched entire seasons of TV shows and, um, you know, played a lot of games. But one of the things I, I realized is I've got this captive audience here and we've got some extra time. And so um, I decided that we were going to study Colossians 3. And that's where Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. And he's talking about, you know, these are the things now that your identity is in Christ, these are the things that you're supposed to put off. And these are the things that you're supposed to put on. And so my kids at the time were nine and 12. And we just sat down and spent time looking at each of those things, uh, the put off and then spending time on each of the put on commands and looking at the life of Jesus and how he embodied those things. So, you know, we talked about compassion and how did Jesus show compassion or kindness or forgiveness. Uh, And so, you know, I wanted to make it really enjoyable for them. So they drew pictures and um, we kind of used that metaphor of putting on clothing. And so they drew pictures of clothing as we were discussing these things. And uh, at the end of it, I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and write this up. And uh, a friend in publishing offered to to take it to the pub board and um, and they agreed to publish it. And so it was really fun to get to share it with other families and kids that age and Really, my hope and prayer is just that kids first um, fall more in love with Jesus through learning about how he embodied all of these things and uh, and then to really enjoy studying the Bible. And so it's meant to be something that kids can do independently. I tried to make it as age appropriate as possible so that they don't get frustrated or overwhelmed by it. Um, but it's also something that I think families can do together or use 
for family devotions or something like that. But my hope is just that kids would really see the thrill of discovering truth and scripture for themselves and not, you know, it's, it's kind of tough because I think there are so many good resources for those early elementary years. And then kids get to the age where they are independent readers or they're wanting something a little bit more than like a story Bible. And at least at the time that I was looking for something, there just wasn't much. And I think there's more of that now. And that's one of the things I'm trying to do in publishing is provide more resources for that age group. Because that's, it's such a critical time. Kids are so curious and they are a little bit less satisfied with just pat easy answers. They really want to understand why and how and um, wrap their minds around more difficult concepts. And so, uh, you know, this has been a fun journey for me to kind of help parents do that. That's amazing. I love it how it evolved. It wasn't that you set out necessarily to write a Bible study. It just evolved as you had a whole lot of time on your hands. I think we can all relate about watching far too much TV. And, <laughs> but it's awesome that you use that time for this as well. And I love that term that you used, eternal significance, because that's been coming up a bit in my life recently. And and it's it's tricky because we're only here for a short time and we're in, you know, heaven is eternity. Like it's never ending and I think so much of us don't put too much importance on that and we're just for the here and now which is really not what we should be doing so yeah. I love that your heart is to provide those resources because you're right our kids get to a certain age where we kind of have to let them go and we want them to go in the right way but you know we also want to provide a resource to help them do that instead of just re now read your bible okay, what are you getting out of it? Like mm -hmm. it, they need a little bit more um, scaffolding, I think. So that's awesome that you're providing this. Why do you think that we need to teach our kids that their identity is found in Christ? Yeah, I mean, you know, at least what I'm hearing and what I think my kids are exposed to, there's this concept of identity is not new to them. They're hearing about it all the time and it takes on different meanings in different contexts. Uh, but I think the fundamental understanding that our culture has is that identity is something that an individual can determine for themselves. And there is no set identity uh, it's whatever you might choose to associate with. And that's a lot of pressure. I think it's supposed to be freeing, but, um, <laughs> when you really think about it, like that's a lot of pressure for a kid to determine. It's a, a lot of pressure for an adult, um, but yeah. much less an eight, nine, 10 year old to say, you know, this is who I am when they're still struggling to tie their shoes. You know, it's, it's ridiculous to expect that of kids. And so, I think when we look at this passage of scripture, we see Paul talking to this group of people that have just radically different backgrounds, right? You've got Jews and Gentiles, you have servants and masters, you have the poor and the rich and um, all different kinds of beliefs and experiences. And he's calling them all to come together and to put off any part of their old identity that doesn't allow them and encourage them to be the body that they're being called to. And I think sometimes we look at passages like this and we immediately think of it as like an individualized thing. 
But Paul's writing this to a group, to a family of believers, and there's something really beautiful about that. And I think our kids need to know, you know, it's not all about you as an individual. Um, God has called you to be part of something that's bigger than yourself, kind of what you were just talking about with the eternal significance. And when we can look at our kids and from a very young age, start to really build into their lives, these concepts that, you know, Paul in Colossians 3 says that these Christians are holy and chosen and dearly loved by God. And those three words or concepts are so foundational for all of us, but especially for our kids, because those are, I think they hit it a lot of the core fears that kids experience being chosen. When we can tell our kids, God has chosen you to be part of his family not being chosen is one of their core fears, right? When they are in school or on the playground or with, you know, a a group of peers, that's huge to know that you are chosen by the creator of the universe, even if you're not chosen by this person right now. Um, And then holy, there's so much shame that our kids experience and to know that God has set you apart for a purpose and that whatever you have done or haven't done doesn't determine, you know, his his love and his purpose for your life. And then that we're dearly loved. I think we all struggle with this idea that maybe I'm not lovable. And so to have from the very outset to have God saying you are chosen, holy and dearly loved, that's your identity as you know, a follower of Christ, that's something so beautiful. And I think our kids need to hear that and need to really um take it to heart from a young age and have it repeated to them when they are going through some of these experiences of feeling unwanted or left out. Those are really important. And that's something that I don't even think, I didn't really think about it as a child, but you're so right. We need to be a lot more mindful teaching our kids now because society was a lot different when I was younger than it is today. And as you say, identity is now promoted as a choice you get to choose whatever you are. And I think I was in my 30s and that's when God took me on a journey that your identity is not found in what you do and what you have. Your identity is to be found in me. And that was such a revelation and it's it's such a hard concept to grasp as well. So, I, But I think it's really important. So that segues really nicely into the next question, which is how do we actually do this? How do you... I mean, obviously we can speak identity over our children. That's really important. And we can use the Bible study that you have. Do you have any other ways that you can do this with your children? I think a lot of it is just conversational, you know, that um, our kids are, they are smarter than we give them credit for so much of the time and they're picking up on things. And, you know, I, I think I've had conversations with my son in middle school about, you know, things that his peers are doing or saying or watching or listening to and, and really asking them questions, especially as they get older and can kind of um, unpack some of these things. But, you know, asking them, do you think it's freeing for people to determine their gender or, you know, their preference in this way or this way or their identity? Like, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? And I think so much of the time we as parents, and I am like chief lecturer number one as a mom, (laughs) and I don't want to be, I know it's a problem, but there is something (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like this insurmountable wall that I cannot get over. But I, you know, we've all had that experience, especially as my kids get older, where you see their eyes glaze over. Oh, and yeah. Like, I should stop, but I'm just on a roll. So I'm going <laughs> to keep going. <laughs> and yet I know in the moments where I listen to the Holy Spirit and I stop and I ask them a question that really makes them think there's so much more fruit out of that time and that conversation. And so I think a lot of it as, as parents is just being willing to ask questions and be okay with the silence, be okay with a kid just kind of rolling their eyes and saying, I don't know, I don't want to talk about this. Because you have invited them into a conversation. You have basically signaled to them, hey, I think that your opinion is worth hearing. And I think that your thoughts matter. And even if they don't have a good answer at that point, I really do believe that's something that sticks with them, that they feel our respect in those moments. And, you know, if we start to kind of lean into that discomfort and make that question asking more of a part of our lives, um, I think that it really is going to bear fruit in our kids and help them to start thinking more critically about the world around them instead of us just constantly spoon feeding them answers that they don't really have to think about. Yeah, I would so agree with you. It is all about conversation. It's all about asking those questions. And I think you're not the only mum out there who is thinking, I just, I've totally lost them. I've totally lost them, but I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> and <laughs> out of the two of us, my husband's more that person. And I will give the, the gesture like, enough, enough. Like you've totally lost her. <laughs> but, That's so funny. Yeah. I notice when my husband's doing it and I'm like, oh, they're not listening to him at all. But it's somehow <laughs> I still think that they're listening to me. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't they listen to you? I know. <laughs> listen to me. So much wisdom. Oh. <laughs> well, going back to what we were talking about earlier, and you were just talking about teaching your kids how to study the Bible, because I think that's a really important thing that we need to be doing as parents. Why do you think it's important for our kids to study God's word? I mean, you know, this is the thing that uh, I think is always a struggle and we can talk about it and write about it. And my husband and I have this conversation because we're both pastor's kids. And so we grew up in Christian homes and there are times where I get really worried. Like, what if our kids aren't reading their Bibles? What if they don't care? And my husband is quick to point out, like, we weren't either <laughs> at yeah. their age. And we were, you know, we had all of the resources, all the tools. We had parents who were in ministry. And and so I think even maybe more than teaching our kids to do it, um, my kids see, especially my husband, every single morning with his Bible in his lap, reading it. And, you know, I hope that they see me. Um, I've tried to make the switch to like using a physical Bible and not a phone just yeah. to kind of have that example. But I think so much of it is modeling and demonstrating something for them that I hope and pray that they will really take to heart. And they do in seasons and at different times. Um, and for me as a mom, it's like, I just, I want to force it. I want to require it. But we've gotten to the age where I think, you know, they're both believers and I can suggest it and I can model it and I can give them 
ideas of how to do it. Uh, but ultimately, this is something that the Holy Spirit has to really do in their hearts to draw them to want to do this. And I'm really thankful for people that the Lord has placed in my kids' lives that aren't me and aren't my husband that have been kind of accountability or mentors for them in this area. And so that's another thing that I think is really important. And, you know, ultimately, the word is truth. It's living and active. And the reason that we want them to be in the word and the reason that we want to be in the word is because we can't live without it, you know? And I think, um, I heard someone talking about this, that it's just the discipline of it. Even if it's five or 10 minutes in the morning, our hearts grow cold, the farther we get from the fire. Yeah. And when we just set up in front of the fire day after day after day, our hearts stay warm and we stay sensitive to the things of Christ and, and have that eternal perspective that you were talking about. I had a teacher in high school who was known, I, I went to a Christian high school and we would come in with so much drama day after day. And he would just look at us and say, in light of eternity, what does this matter? And that is such a powerful question. Oh yeah. Um, for all of us, but especially for teenage girls, because we were just consumed with, you know, whatever the day's uh, drama was. But I think, you know, that's what being in the word does is it reminds us, like you said, there's this story that we're part of, but we're just a small part of it. And it's not about us. And if there's a message that our kids need to hear, that's probably it. <laughs> um, because we are in such an individualistic, like, self-centered society and so reminding oh, them yeah this is your story like this the story of scripture you fit in here but it's not about you and that's a really good thing and so encouraging them to kind of find where they fit within that I think is important but it's not something we can do so fundamentally I think it's about praying yeah I think so too I love that um you what your teacher said I can totally see that on a t-shirt in light of eternity what does it matter <laughs> yeah <laughs> That would that would hopefully alleviate a lot of arguments and um yeah tense discussions hopefully yeah <laughs> so before we wrap it up can you just for the mama who is listening who's unsure how would they how would you suggest she start to teach them how to study the word I mean obviously she would need to work on it herself but how would you suggest she actually move into teaching her kids how to study the word. Yeah, I think fundamentally, I think it's really important to make it fun. Um, you know, I've I've told parents, don't tell your kid to stop playing a video game and come in and study the Bible with you. Um, you're just setting everybody up for failure at that yeah. point. Uh, but, you know, when, when I was doing this with my kids, and granted, we have more time, but I would make like muffins or something, and we would come together and like I said, just try to make it as fun and conversational as possible. My son at the time really did not like writing. And so I, you know, the study as it's been published has fill in the blank spots. Some kids love that. Other kids, that just feels like schoolwork to them. And so, you know, I would say don't require something that is not something enjoyable for your child. You know, how if we see reading the Bible as a chore, we don't want to do it. So why would we expect our, you know, 10 year olds to want to do something that feels really hard and boring? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think a lot of it is saying, you know, 
where is my kid at? What's their level of understanding and how can I meet them in that? And so that could be doing a Bible study like this. It could be memorizing scripture together. When my kids were young, I took them through memorizing Psalm 1 and Psalm 23 and Psalm 103. And we would draw pictures or act out things. And, um, you know, I think engaging their bodies and their minds and their gifts in kind of more robust ways than just let's sit down and read this passage. Um, I think that's important. And it makes it, you know, I remember my mom, and this was probably 30 something years ago, we were on a family vacation, and she made up a song to go with Psalm 1 and taught it to us. And I still remember the tune of that song that she made up. And so there's something about doing something like this as a family and making it a shared experience. It's really fun. So I would just say start small, like if you think, oh, we're going to read all of, you know, the first five books of the Bible together this year. Like that's, <laughs> maybe that's not the way to start, but yeah. Um, but let's read through the creation narrative over the course of, you know, a few weeks and talk about the different things that we see there and really getting kids accustomed to reading in bite-sized chunks instead of whole chapters at a time. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think the more that we can make it fun and exciting and low pressure, the more we're setting our kids up for success. I love that. I think you're so right. It is making it fun. But sometimes I think parents hear the word fun and they think, oh, my goodness, that just sounds like too much work already. Yeah. Um, but I love it how you said, OK, yeah, I'm not a big baker. So baking muffins, maybe no, but <laughs> I could I've done it before with blocks of chocolate or little chocolate bars, and my daughter was all over that. And it was it just made it fun, something to look forward to. And yes, okay, I know it was totally the chocolate, but she's the one begging for time in the word because she knew that it came with chocolate. And hey, if that's how I'm going to grab her, that's how I'm going to grab her. I love that. Hey, the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> so you're just like incorporating the taste buds and that experience. But, you know, I think there's so much throughout scripture that is feasting as a way of remembrance, right? And I love yeah. the idea that even say, you know, it's a certain kind of chocolate that is special for that time. Maybe yeah. years from now, your daughter is going to have that chocolate and it's going to remind her of studying the word with you. And that like, that gives me chills, that kind of remembrance that is going to be a special memory for her that is related to her mom set aside time to read the Bible with her. And that's such a sweet and beautiful legacy for her to take with her. So I don't think that you can diminish something like that. I think it's really powerful. Yeah, I agree. So to wrap it up, um, well, first of all, thank you so much for joining me here. It's been a real privilege to talk to you and to hear your heart behind studying the Bible identity with our children and the Bible study you've written, which I will have all the links in the description. Can you share with the listeners where they can find out a bit more about you? Yeah, so I have a website. It's cathparks.com, and that's my handle on Instagram and other social sites. And um, I try to blog. It doesn't happen very often, but um, <laughs> but I have a newsletter that I send out, and readers can sign up for that at my website. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you. This has been such an honor and a joy. Thanks for listening to Mama's Mission. 
If you liked what you heard, please leave a review. Thanks, guys. Hey, Mama. I can pretty much say ditto to what my little girl just said. It lights me up when you're encouraged to disciple your kids from the content here at Mama's Mission. So either leave a review on the podcast or hit me up on Instagram at a dash of Deb. Or better yet, join the family by subscribing to our newsletter. The link is in the description. Be blessed, Mama.